what's going on? It's Joel, and you're listening to the My Age Podcast, a podcast that brings you conversations with people from all walks of life, using music to plot a map from the early years to how they got to where they are now. Uh, first off, I apologise. I've, I've got a blocked, stuffy nose. I, uh, yeah, I got really, really sick this month and gave it to Nicole and Cody, and then it kind of went away, and now it's come back, but not as brutal as what it was. But um, I still sound kind of... Kind of flarny, all that flan. Anyhow, um, you didn't really need to know that. On uh, this month's episode, we've got Luke Dolan. Hopefully, you may have guessed the picture that I posted on uh, Facebook with Ian Mackay. Um, fantastic story behind that photo. If you haven't seen it, check it out on Facebook or I didn't put it on Instagram, but I think I will. Um, Luke Dolan's fronted some of. Australia's best hardcore bands and in my opinion one of Australia's best I guess alt rock rock and roll bands as well in Hazards but you know The Dead Walk, Life Love Regret, a whole bunch of other bands um, which we get pretty deep into um, Also just a heads up there's uh, we touch on some pretty heavy topics uh, in this episode like suicide and depression so I guess be aware of that um we don't kind of dwell on it obviously for too long but it is a part of luke's story and uh yeah so there's that um yeah what else is going on um the time we're recording this cody's 10 months old today and um it's pretty rad every day is getting better than the last and uh nicole and i are really digging it so yeah um Look, let's not fuck around anymore. Uh, let's listen to Luke Crew, aka Luke Dolan, aka Kid Mints. Kill. Cool. All right, welcome to the My Age podcast. Uh, today, very excited, as I'm sure you would have heard of the intro. I've got what I consider now. Obviously, this is a personal opinion, but I'm sure many people agree with me. Uh, would be one of the, you know, the best front people that's ever existed in Australian hardcore, and i put him up against any of the big guns from anywhere all over the world. Mr. Luke Dolan. Thanks What's for What's going me. on? Oh, not much, man. Just, um, just uh, yeah, trying to sort, put my boys to bed and uh, <laughs> and do it on yes. the podcast, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thank, thank you for thank you for doing it. Um, we, we tried to see this up earlier at a show a couple of weeks ago, but um, one of us had a bit too many, have too, a few too many rums, too maybe. Too many fizzies, yeah. Yeah, busy. Yes, thank you. Would be the word. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, look straight into it. Um, were you always you always from Newcastle? Well, you're from Newcastle. That's I guess where you're. Um, that's you know you sing about it a fair bit. Uh, well, yeah, I was born in in Newcastle, um, Newcastle Hospital, right on the beach there. Um, and I've lived like in and around in and around Newcastle for my whole life. Like, yeah, like um, I moved sort of. We lived in the country up at a place called Vasey, which is kind of, I don't know, about 40 minutes to an hour west, which is kind of, and I sort of grew up on a farm for a, a period of time there. So, But it's really only like an hour out of Newcastle sort of thing. So always in and around, yeah. yeah and then, yeah. yeah. Yeah, cool. Did you go to school up out, out, out west or did you kind of, were you, back at, were you back in Newcastle area by the time you were starting school? Uh, no, I started school in, um, oh, we moved to Maitland when I was probably, just when I was a baby still, um, we moved to, to Maitland, yeah. which is, you know, half an hour west, 
um, of, of Nui, yep. and um, I started school there. And then in about year one or two, we moved up to Vasey, which is a small country town, probably another sort of Our... 20 to 30 minutes inland. And I went to a school there, which was like 60 kids. So I was, I was at school there for um, from, oh man, until probably just a couple of years before high school. And then we moved back to Maitland um, and I went to yeah, cool. yeah, Maitland High School. There you go. So let's start from the beginning, yeah. uh, which is always obviously the place to start. Um, your parents were they musical? I mean, you're a, you're a very, and I'm sure we'll, obviously we're going to get into it um, as the songs progress. But your your tastes are very um, a, a wide net is, is always cast with your musical taste. Eclectic. Yeah. Um, what were your parents into? Um, yeah, my 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 dad. Well, my mum and dad were definitely into music. Like um, dad in particular. Like um, I remember him sort of. Um, you know, he had a record collection and. Oh, there's my son. He's going to bed. Hi, Iggy. That's my son, Iggy. Um, <laughs> What's up, Iggy? Um, yeah, so Dad had a um, yeah he had a record collection, and it was you know he would play records at home, and I remember like from really really early, um, yeah him listening to listening to records. He listened to stuff like Led Zeppelin, uh, Queen, um, a bit of Black Sabbath. You know the Who, like yeah, a lot of lot of cool shit actually. So um, yeah, um, yeah, and mum, mum, yeah, she was in the music that too. Classic seventies rock. Yeah, a bit of classic seventies rock, bit of sort of early you know metal stuff. Um, yeah, and mum listened to mum was in the music too, but it was more so in the car. You know, she had tapes in the car like um, uh, ELO and I don't know stuff like that. Um, yeah, yeah. So they were both pretty pretty into music and I remember music being played in the house and being played like on car trips and stuff for as early, you know, as far back as I can remember. So it was always, always there. Yeah. Yeah. So you, your dad's got, your dad's like, as dads go, that's probably some of the best, that's probably some of the best kind of the raddest, I guess, music anyone's ever kind of mentioned so far. Um, <laughs> not many parents could say they're older into Sabbath and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I just, yeah. And I just remember like he would have a couple of beers and, Put on like a. I remember once my uncle was over. It's a really early memory. My uncle was over, um, and they put on. He put on a Led Zeppelin record, um, and they were like air guitaring and air drumming, and yeah, you know, they had a few beers. You know, they had a few beers, and yeah. it's like, oh, you know, I'll be Jimmy Page and you be Robert Plant, and you know, like, yeah, that's a fully uh, yeah um, memory I have, which is is really cool. So is it a Zeppelin song we're gonna pick or? Uh, I was. Gonna go. Oh, jeez. Yep. There's my son making music. Yep. Um. <laughs> uh, I was gonna pick Led Zeppelin "Black Dog," but because um, that was that was one. Yeah, one that That's stands a out. Fantastic. Yeah. But I've gone with actually a Queen song. Um. And it's, okay. and it's a Queen song because it, it, yeah, he was a big Queen fan as well. And the Queen song yep. I picked is uh, "Sheer Heart Attack," which um, I think is pretty much like a punk song. Like if. As far as Queen goes, you know, obviously not a punk band by any means, but Sheer Heart Attack is real up-tempo. The riff's real, like, yeah, yeah it's a sick riff. And I just remember this is another one of Dad's favourite kind of air guitar-type tracks. Like, And I remember him sort of going, I'll play, I'll play air guitar and you play air drums and that kind of stuff. <laughs> and my son, my son <laughs> is blowing awesome. up. Yeah, so. yeah. So Queen Sheer Heart Attack, it's um, a killer song. Sheer Heart Attack. Do you know what album it was off or uh, kind of when in their career it was? Or? I think it's from the album. I can picture the cover. 
News of the World. I know there's an album called Chew Heart Attack, but I don't think it's actually on that album, funnily enough. I think, the album, I think it's from the album News of the World, which is, it'd have to be late 70s. Um, maybe like 76, 77. So, yeah, um, cool. and it sort of fits in with, oddly enough, it sounds to me like a, 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 a punk song, like Queen trying to do a punk rock song. And it's pretty, it's pretty killer. Yeah. Cool. Let's check it out. Well, you're just 17. All you want to do is disappear. like real it's real fast like and it's a yeah. real sort of i reckon it's like a straight punk riff like i don't know 
because I remember when I got in, yeah. when I got into punk later, and my dad was like, "Oh, that Queen She Heart Attack, that was a, one of the first punk songs." I was like, "Fuck off, Dad!" Like you know, and then I listened to it again. <laughs> you know what I mean? I listened to it again. I was like, "Fuck, actually, yeah, yeah I can see it." Like, yeah, yeah. It's 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 one of those things that you listen to it now. It's like it just sounds like a, a quick Queen, a fast Queen yeah. song. Yeah, but um. In its, you know, in se- <clears throat> part of me in seven, 1977, yeah. it's the fast yeah. rock, punk rock song. Yeah, and it's like song. kind of yeah. chugger, like rocking sort of chugger riff, like you know. So, did that song particularly stand out, or what, what, what was it about that song? Obviously, besides the punk rockness to it, um, was there like was there anything about that song that like any memory attached to it, or you just really did the song? You're right. You're right. Um, my wife's just getting heaps of curry from Iggy. Um, yeah, I think because it was fast paced and energetic, like. You know what I mean? Like, um, yeah, and I just remember, as I said, like, he, dad would, like, play, he'd play, like, air guitar, he'd be like, he'd play the drums, and I'd be like, okay, I didn't really know what that means, but I'd, like, you know, just pretend I was playing the drums. It was a real, like, inter- yeah, yeah, it was a real kind of cool, interactive experience of listening, like, actively listening to music, not just, yeah, not just having it on in the background yeah. or whatever, but, like, actually listening to it and just vibing on it and, and digging it, you know? Yeah, see. Were you like, was that? Did Queen stick out to you in general, or was it particularly that song? Oh, or? that song, and I don't. Know, I guess Queen, Queen did as well. Like, I mean, you hear their stuff, and like, you know, it, yeah, they're pretty um, unique band. Like, um, very but much. Definitely, so, yeah. like, yeah, de- definitely. Those were the two. Queen and Led Zeppelin were the two bands that would, would, I'd say would be my dad's favourites, and and yeah. that I can definitely recall from that time. So, are you are you an only child? Are you one of a few? Uh, the... I have a, an older sister, Emma, who's who's oh, she's two years older than me. Okay. Did she um did she have much influence on your musical taste as you kind of she, grew up? Or she did at points. Like she she was really like into Prince, um, and so like I remember thinking Prince Prince okay. was pretty like pretty cool. Um, yeah, again, just sort of different and kind of out there. Um, yeah. Um, and she also, it was a pretty bit of a landmark moment. She, she had like the flash dance, the movie flash dance, um, and maybe the soundtrack as soundtrack okay. as well. And there's a scene in flash dance where, um, uh, the main character, Jennifer Beale, she's walking down the street with a friend and they come across like a, a b-boying circle, like a break dancing circle. And it's the rock dudes from the rock steady crew breaking. And that was like 80, 82 okay. or 83. And that was kind of, I'm pretty sure that was the first time that, um, certainly the first time I can remember ever seeing like breakdancing and probably in Australia as well. Yeah. Like, um, and I just remember seeing that scene. It's only like a really short, like maybe one minute scene. And I remember like when she had the video and I was like, what the fuck is that? Like, you know, wow. Like and rewinding it and, and playing it over and over again. So that was, yeah, inadvertently. It's just, yeah. Definitely, yeah, 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 absolutely. That's that, that that kind of planted the seed for a for a sort of um, oh uh, yeah, planted the seed of of me getting right into hip hop for the next uh, lifetime. yeah lifetime basically yeah definitely. Okay, so what so what comes next after Queen? Um, what what did you start discovering that wasn't kind of you know showed to you by your old man or your yeah mom, well like your sister there was maybe, like... there was Queen and 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 I started just. Yeah, like um, Iron Maiden sort of came next, and my dad kind of liked that. Okay. I remember yeah, we yeah. bought the Number of the Beast cassette when it came out. Um, again, it's probably about eighty three, and like, and I was like, man, this is sick. Like, um, 
and my dad was into it as well. Um, and then I kind of, yep. I think I bought like a quiet riot tape and a twisted sister tape maybe. Um, and okay. I was kind of like, all right, this is cool. Like the, this metal stuff is cool. But then it was, it was kind of around the same time as like the, the hip hop stuff got introduced. So, um, it was yep. the era, it would have been 84 and it was kind of when hip hop was first introduced into Australia. So like the first kind of boom and it was like the movie Breakdance um, and the movie Beat Street um, when they came out and, okay. uh, and also the Rocksteady crew who, who's like a classic um, breaking crew. They were from New York. They were on Countdown, like they came on Countdown and there was a breakdancing comp that they judged and okay. stuff. And, yeah. And I immediately just was like, yeah, this is, yeah, this fucking blew my mind. Like, you know, um, and initially it was the dance. So, so Countdown was a big way you were getting yeah. into the music? Yeah, like Countdown. Um, yeah. Yeah. I would, and I, that's something I would watch with my older sister, like Countdown. Um, and that, yeah, yeah. introduced to stuff through that. But as soon as the hip hop bug, I got the hip hop bug, like that was it, man. It was like you know, practically throw out the metal tapes, you know, the three that I had and just like, oh man, hip hop, I've got to get, yeah. I've got to know more about this music and like more about the culture. Cause it was more, you know, it was about the break dancing. There was the graffiti art and there was the, the music as well. So the early hip hop, that's when I really started, started getting, yeah, started like wanting to buy my own, own music, you know, like, um, yeah. And I started break dancing and stuff as well. So, yeah. So yeah, cause I've always, Part of me, I've always wondered, um, you know, you're very like you, you know, you often talk about on, you know, on social media, you often and you know, face to face and all that kind of jazz as well. Um, you're pretty, you're you're heavily, obviously, yeah, heavy, heavily into hip hop and that kind of thing. And I've always wondered kind of how it came about. And it was there you go. It was like it was that that an early an age because a lot of people obviously get into hip hop as you know as a rebellion almost. Yeah. But um, I guess when you're you know when you're six or seven years old you're probably not rebelling against yeah. anything no it was that first wave and it was just the first wave, and it was just so exciting because it was so fresh and new and like i mean i'm, I'm here i am like living in a in a country town small country town in the bush like with 60 kids in yeah. primary school and i'm watching this stuff like you know uh, yeah movies like beach street and breakdance which you know just worlds and worlds apart like but really fascinating and just really you know yeah. i just became obsessed <laughs> Yeah, obsessed obsessed with it really. Um, did your mates get into it as well, or with, like was yeah, it a, like you know you kind of just did it. Well, like it was kind of like, as I said, there's only sixty kids at my school at the time, and um, and my next yeah. door neighbour probably lived you know two hundred meters away. So, um, but I do remember. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, so, right. um, yeah, yeah. but I do remember like going to like school blue lights and stuff like that. Um, and you know there'd be fifty kids at the blue light, and I'd say that go up to the DJ and say, "Can you play some like breakdancing music or some rap music or whatever?" And they'd just look at me like, "What? What the fuck are you talking about?" So they might play like they might play like the closest thing they had, which might be like Lionel Richie dancing on the dancing on the okay. ceiling or something like that. You know, so we could yeah, because it was quite a yeah quite yeah urban yeah yeah. So so but when I moved to moved to moved to Maitland, which is Slightly more towards Newcastle and slightly, slightly more urban, like a yep. bit of a small country, well, big country town, really. Yeah, um, uh, yeah my friends, yep. yeah, we, we, we started getting into, into hip-hop, yeah, a lot, a lot more. So what do you got for um, us? So the track I'm going to play is uh, by Grandmaster Melly Mel and the Furious Five. 
and it is uh, the title track from the Beat Street soundtrack called called Beat Street Breakdown. Part yep. of my ignorance was um, he mentioned on that the Netflix. Yes, stopper? he would have been for sure. Yeah, yeah. There's Grandmaster. Did, did you like yeah, that? Yeah, did you watch it? Hip Hop Evolution. It was, yeah, I did. I checked. It was great. Yeah, yeah. I really yeah. dug it. I really dug it. Yeah, because as as a an ultimate yeah. novice, um, like an ultimate novice, um, I watched it and enjoyed it. But I was I was like, I don't know what I'm missing. I don't know yeah. what they're missing. Yeah. I'm just going to take this as like it is gospel. Yeah. And well, you're you're always going to miss something. Like you can't you can't get it. But they covered yeah, man. Like the first, people, the first two parts were like really I thought in depth and covered a lot of stuff. So yeah, I really enjoyed that. It was cool. So it's Grandmaster Melly Mel, Grandmaster Melly Mel and the Furious Five. <laughs> Too, because uh, you can't let the streets beat you uh. Well, a picture can express a thousand words To describe all the beauty of life you get And if the world was yours to do over I know you'd paint a better place to live Where the colors would swirl and the boys and girls Can grow in peace and harmony And where murals stand on walls so grand As far as the eyes are able to see Till I saw your face And there'll never be one To take your place Cause each and every time You touch a spray paint can Michelangelo's soul Controls your hands Then serenades Of blue and red And the beauty of the rainbow Fills your head Crescendo colors Playing tune Man why oh why You'd have to die so soon Ashes to ashes And dust to dust Where the good die young It's all thy must Cause that life must live Death must die And the tears shall fall From the living eye The tears drop fall For the state of mind Of the beautiful lady you left behind in love and alone but now you're dead and she still can't get you out of her head more tears fall for all you've done trying to be a good father to your only son but now who's gonna make sure that he's fed put a shirt on his back and a roof overhead tell me who's gonna dream the impossible dream of the beautiful cities and the island's jeans when your works of art brought in to me and all that the ghetto stopped you from seeing bums on the sidewalk garbage in the street abandoned buildings bricks and concrete the ladies on the corner are selling that body And everybody wants a part in that party 
party. I'm hanging out tough, rocking late at night. Running wild in the town of the neon light. To either play some ball or stand in the hall. Huh? You gotta make something out of nothing at all. I'm sitting in the classroom learning the rules. And it says you can't do graffiti in school. They can't be wrong in the hollowed hall. So my notebook turned into a big wall. The heart of a lion and the courage of three. In the mind of a man which wiser than me. You're the soul of the brother who won't come back. Who died in my arms on the railroad track. Cause I'm part in the rat race looking for my own space. It gotta be a better place for you and me. There's pie in the sky and an eye for an eye. Some people gotta die just to be free. Save for justice. What do you find? You find just us under your unemployment line. You find just us sweating from dawn to dusk. There's no justice. It's huh, just us. Uh, uh. Still life urban masterpiece. Your chain mop was written on chains and walls. A million dollar gift only God released. Huh, and yet you got killed for nothing at all. So after this, there'll be no more hard times. No more bad times and no more pain. No more chump chains. None of that bull. Just movies, museums, and the Hall of Fame. So all you hip hops, get on up and let's take it to the top where we belong. Cause the age of the beat street wave is here. Everybody let's sing along the Headlines say man destroys man. Extra, extra, read all the bad news on the wall of peace that everybody would lose. The rise and fall, the last great empire. The sound of the whole world caught on fire. The ruthless struggle, the desperate gamble, the game that left the whole world in shambles. The cheats, the lies, the alibis, and the foolish attempt to conquer the skies. Lost in space, and what is it worth? Huh? The president just forgot about Earth, spending all time being, and maybe even trillions. The cost of weapons ran in disease. In Africa, don't even eat flies on the faces. They're living like mice in the houses, even make the ghetto look nice. Huh? The water tastes funny, it's forever too sunny. And they work all month and don't make no money. A fight for power, a nuclear shower. A people shout out in the darkest hour. The sight unseen and voices unheard. And finally, the bomb gets the last word. Christian killed Muslims and German killed Jews. And everybody's bodies are used and abused. Huh? Minds are poisoned and souls are polluted. Superiority complex is deep rooted. And people got righteous Egomaniac controls the self-righteous Nothing is sacred and nothing is pure So the revelation of death is our cure People's in terror, the leaders made the error And now they can't even look in the mirror Cause we gotta suffer while things get rougher And that's the reason why we got to get tougher So learn from the past and work for the future And don't be a slave to no computer Cause the children of man inherit the land And the future of the world is in your hands So just throw your hands in the air And wave them like you So how are you like? How are you getting music? Like how are you getting music even at even in your early teens, living yep. in Maitland? 
part of me that was so like that was so yeah yeah well i mean in those days there was there was record shops everywhere like even in a small country town like Maitland, i remember there was like maybe three or four record shops so and i would just like scour every single one of them like looking for i just go and say you got any you got any rap tapes you got any breakdancing music and you know nine times out of ten they'd be like kid you know what are you talking about and sometimes i go oh yeah like i got this i got this you know and i think it was the the breakdance soundtrack that i bought um first and then the beat street soundtrack and 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 just you know they might have out of a out of a shop of a you know thousands of tapes tapes and records they might have one you know one rap tape or one whatever so and i would just be like yes you know like holy grail like you know super stoked so yeah, so basically that was it, like just searching it out and going to every store. And, and, and also I remember my dad, like even my dad early on was like, he was, I mean, he didn't like the music that I liked, but he was like stoked that I was getting into music. So we would go to Newcastle yeah. later and he would take me to the record stores in Newcastle. And, and, and obviously they had a better selection, like not still not great, but more yeah. stuff. So And would have been like, <clears throat> it wouldn't have been, besides Countdown, like, was was rage happening? Like, was there film clips on rage you were kind of catching? No, or were you too it wasn't. That or ra- I think rage wasn't around then, from from memory. It was countdown, and there was a couple of other shows. Um, okay. Oh man, it's countdown, and there was another show on a Saturday morning. I can't remember what it was. I can't. I remember the night that the, the guy that did it. His name was like Donny Sutherland, or I don't know. Can't remember the name of the show, but it was like a yeah, just like a music video show. Okay. In the eighties, like early to mid eighties. Um, yep. And that's where you heard stuff too. So. So you totally dismissed all the, or you know, dismissed the metal stuff, or it was kind of there. Yeah, pretty or... much. Like I was pretty much obs- hip hop obsessed, like from 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 eighty four yeah. to until I really started getting hard into skateboarding in like um, you know the, in maybe eighty six, eighty seven. Um, and then it was like you'd get the, the skate videos and the skate videos, the soundtracks, you know, they always had, had, had punk stuff on them. Um, and, all, and yeah, also my absolutely. sister too, like she was a bit older and she, I remember one of her boyfriends, like um, he was into punk. Like, he was a skater as well and he was, he was into punk. He had like maybe a Dead Kennedys album and a Hard-Ons record. Um, and yeah, so that was kind of there as well, but. Yeah, skating as 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 kind of because breaking uh, breakdancing kind of died out in that, that first wave. Um, you know, it was a big craze for a little while there in like eighty four, eighty five, and then um, skateboarding was kind of the next thing. And 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 being a kid, I'm like, I was I'm only like ten, Just I was, took you know, like probably ten, I was ten or eleven at the time, and um, you know, and I got into yep. skateboarding, and 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 so that's when I started getting introduced to to other, you know, like like yeah. Like punk music and and um, and and other sorts, you know, thrash yeah. and stuff like that. So, and how did your um, how did your parents like? Was was hit? Was the breakdancing stuff? Was it considered threatening? Um, there was kind of the hysteria, like don't try head spins, you break your neck, and that kind of stuff. Like, there's a bit of yeah, like right. okay. a bit of that kind of stuff. Like, it wasn't like the next wave of rap where it was. Where it was, there was the element no, of violence and gangs pre, kind of associated pre, with it, like that. Yeah, no, no, this is pre-gangster rap. This is this is pre-gangster rap. Although I do remember when the first Beastie Boys album came out, it was '86, and I was like oh, 11 or 12, and I bought the License to Ill tape, and um, and I bought a I bought a Cream magazine that had the Beastie Boys on the cover and they had straight jackets on, and the interview I remember the the interview with them they were being really crass and. Um, 
and I remember a line of something about, yeah, we, we, we love fucking women with big tits and all this, like, just really, like, puerile stuff because that's what, they, you know, their first record, they were kind of punk rockers gone, gone hip-hop, right? So, and I remember I lent that magazine to a mate of mine who was in my class. We were in, like, year five or whatever, and his mum got a hold of the magazine and she came around and just tore shreds off me, like, how dare you lend this to my son? You, like, this is disgusting. And, like, told my mum and I got in heaps of trouble and I was, like, you know, Real upset, and <laughs> so there was that. Still, that that was just kind of there. You go. It begins. It, it begins. It begins. It. So, from the did you when you transitioned yeah. to the skate stuff, was there like was there anything that kind of stood out straight away, or it was kind of just yeah. you know, taking it all in, or did you well, gravitate to any particular very much style? in a hip hop like even after post break dancing era, I was still like I mean yep. that was you know a golden age of hip-hop the late mid to late 80s you know you had as a, the beastie boys run dmc i remember seeing run dmc walk this way on countdown i was just like fuck you know uh and public then you know yeah. not too long after that public enemy and that was you know that was that was the sickest shit but um I, I do remember i think it was um i would have seen the suicidal tendencies video to possess the skate at some point um and just thinking oh that's you know that's cool like okay yeah you know and i remember i had a I had a like a dubbed copy of an anthrax album one of the early anthrax albums um and again it was like on the peripheral i was kind of like yep. yeah that's cool but you know i'm a hip hop i'm a hip hop kid you know but um and then it was really the um yep. santa cruz video i think it came out in about 88 or 89 streets on fire um and i bought the vi- the bought the okay, video yeah, yep. and the soundtrack was all sst bands um, I think Willie actually mentioned it on on yeah on his yeah. episode, but um yeah yeah it was all SST bands. So that was yeah. Black Flag, Blast, you know, Descendants, Sonic Youth, Minutemen. Um, just an incredible soundtrack. Like, um, and then I kind of had to take notice. I was kind of like yeah. because I watched the video. We used to watch those videos like ad you know just on repeat. We'd watch the skate videos, um, you know. Yeah. all the tricks and whatever and and, yep. and so the music was just kind of like yeah i was like man i'm taking notice you know so um and that's when it yeah kind of peaked started to spark my interest in that stuff so music so yeah was it was it again was it getting easier to come by or like was it the same with hip-hop you just kind of you just said this is what i'm after it's and more cross like, your fingers or i don't know because i was still story? i was buying hip-hop like crazy then um and i didn't really I don't know, when I first started getting into punk stuff, I wasn't really buying much of it. Like, I think, uh, yeah, like my sister's boyfriend, he probably he probably made me a tape and I think it had, like, Dead Kennedys and hard-ons. And, and also around this time I met um, a lifelong best mate, Chipper, um, we, through skating and going to school. Yes. And he was into he was into hip-hop, but he was into punk as well. So, And he started making me a couple of tapes, like, yep. um, yeah, Black Flag, the first four years and... Um, stuff like that. So initially, it was just getting tapes from people, like because I was just saving my money to buy hip hop stuff, and then people yep. were giving me like, yeah, some older skater dude gave me the Anthrax tape, and yeah, the, sister's boyfriend gave me the Dead Kennedys tape, she gave me the Black Flag tape, and it just kind of, yeah, I guess started, yeah, started snowballing. Snowball. And did your did your parents? I mean, there's no hiding. Like that's yeah. that music is aggressive sounding. What was your, were your parents like? Were they okay with it, or because you know they just trusted your instincts, or did they object, or what was the story? Yeah, no, they were, my parents were always pretty cool. I think like with the music I was listening to, they weren't like yeah. alarmist parents, or you know, yeah. I mean, I'd go out skating and I'd hurt myself, and 
you know, and they, you know, they were, I don't know, they were cool. Like they were, they were pretty laid back, you know. Um, but I guess at that time too, like um, Good. around about that time as well, they were going through a divorce. So, you know, that was kind of starting to, they were having their own dramas and stuff. So, you know, we were, not that we were left to our own devices or anything like that, but, you know, yeah, the music and stuff that we're into wasn't, wasn't a big concern, I suppose. Um, and they worked, they worked hard and they worked long hours and, you know, so we were, yeah. We just skate all day and all night and listen to whatever and hang out and it was all good, you know. Yeah, cool. So, what's a song that kind of sums? Or what are a few songs that kind of sum up that kind of that period? Well, I picked the song. I, I was gonna pick. Uh, I was thinking, thinking the two songs from the Streets on Fire video, and and one of them's Black Flag Depression, um, the Shavo Shavo version. But I noticed Wade, Wade played Depression, the Rollins version, um, on the last episode, I think. Um, but I, so I went with um, uh, Minutemen Paranoid Chant. Um, Fantastic. Yeah, which is just a, it's just an in, intense song. Like, it's the sort of song and it's a real jarring kind of one minute of like, I don't know. And that's, yeah, when I, I think it's like one of the first songs on the video too. And you, you put it on and just can't not take notice of it. Like, you know what I mean? It's just that. Yeah. Just grab it. It's, it's it's an awesome track. So, yeah. Cool. Let's check it out. So you've known Chipper that long, nearly 30 years. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. We met, I think, year seven in high school, so that that's, was that's insane. 88, probably, yeah. And we've been pretty much best mates ever since, like ever since, wow. yeah, Clayton, nearly 30 years, yeah. There's a, um, there's a photo of you two kicking, like I'm sure you obviously know about it because you were in it, obviously, um, with you guys at, um, yes. <laughs> with Ian Mackay. Yeah. At a Fugazi show, tell us about that. I, I, that photo needs to be like, I don't know, <laughs> in, in a museum somewhere. Just be like, this is it. I don't like, you know, it, it needs yeah. so much more. It needs so much attention. It's just a fantastic photo. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty embarrassing, like how toy we were back then. But it's it's still kind of cool because it's so like, I don't know. Yeah. Everyone's kind of spoiled now with the internet, and they can you know be up on everything all the time. And so it is what it is. But. Um, I guess it was Fugazi tour 1993. I'm going to say um, 
in on in on the kill taker tour. Yeah. Um, and we were big minor yep. threat fans. Um, Obviously, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So in the early nineties, like yeah, going on from the sort of skate stuff and and you know switching over like hip hop, hip hop kind of. I don't know. By the by, the time ninety two, ninety three came around, like hip hop was, and that was like Dr. Dre and Snoop and Tupac was kind of getting big, and that really didn't. I don't know. That just didn't do it for me, um, for whatever reason. Um, what? Well, yeah. What? So what? You, there's nothing really to pinpoint it on. It just wasn't your thing. I think just the sound. Like it went from like the real kind of hype, like energetic stuff, like Public Enemy and and that kind of stuff, um, and and you know Ice Cube yep. and NWA. You know that real like energetic raw type shit um and then i think when they kind of smoothed it out and like started making yeah. gangster pop songs like i was just kind of like nah fuck this i'm out um yeah and that's where that's where punk you know that's where the punk stuff like really kind of you know grabbed us so like we were we were into minor threat um uh, we just kind of stumped with well, there was a local bookshop in newcastle still there actually um called rice's bookshop um Actually, the, the 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 picture on the Hazard Seven Inch is a, is a photo of of Rice's bookshop, um, and that's where we bought we we came across all these records like just randomly like go in there and for second hand you know for six or seven bucks you could buy you know a Minor Threat record or Uniform Choice record or you know D, you know we got DYS Seven Second like were they were they second hand or were they brand new second hand yeah second hand ah, second hand. Yeah, so, and they all came from the one guy, funnily enough, this older punk guy from Newey called, um, uh, what's his name, Kenny, Kenny Swaddling. Um, he just used to, he just used to sell, sell records and trade records through there and we would just go there like every week and just buy all these gems, like, yeah. Um, so anyway, like Minor Threat was one of our favourite bands, like we were just like, holy fuck, this is, you know, uh, and getting, and got into the whole straight edge thing um, as well on top of that, but um, um yeah, so Fugazi yep. kind of, we, we you know we kind of heard about Fugazi as 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 the dude from Minor Threats band, you know, like, um, and a mate of mine who had a screen printing yep. company, um, yep. he actually he actually screen printed us some homemade like Minor Threat shirts. So if you look at the photo, we're both we're both actually wearing these homemade yeah, yeah. Minor Threat shirts. So it's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah, we went to the Fugazi show and, and, so and like, oh, Fugazi's cool. Yeah. Like, you know, it was it was good. You know, it wasn't minor threat, but um, you know, I love Fugazi and stuff now. But yeah, what 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 were you? Ex- yeah, so like, I mean, back yes. then, if I was your age when I went to that show, um, I, I'm trying to think of it. You know, if I'm trying to think of a a good analogy, but like, if I'm so into a band and the person yep. and the the singer comes out with his new band. I'd kind of I'd be hoping for like um yeah yeah to throw in a couple of old song like old band songs like was that was that what you were in, was that what you were expecting or did did you were you all were you into Fugazi and it, or like what, yeah what's your relationship with them what was your relationship with them like at the time yeah like we had we had heard Fugazi like and I think I might have even bought went to Waterfront Records and I bought I think I bought a Repeater album on cassette um yeah so I'd I'd heard when I think and I think that was when I heard they they were coming out so i was like fuck i better go <laughs> better go buy a record so i know brush up yeah. yeah brush up um and i remember listening to it and going oh, it's cool but it's not you know it's not minor threat but all right you know we'll, we'll go check it out so we weren't yeah we weren't yeah. expecting minor threat um but 
yeah, here we are, the two nerds, like in our homemade minor threat shirts. <laughs> uh, absolutely. And we just punished him. I remember we got off and we were just like, yeah, like with his little fanboys, like, you know, and he was just thinking, oh, fuck, here we go. Like, you'd imagine, you'd yeah. imagine he'd get that, like, the world over like, yeah. everywhere he goes. Like, uh, we were probably, you know, 16 or 17 at the time, just like frothing on minor threat. Like, and he's like, ah, oh, for fuck's sake. But <laughs> he, he was pretty, pretty good humor. He, he, was, he took it in his shot, yeah. I think, at the time. So, um, yeah. yeah, but it was a great show, yeah. I mean, I look back on it now and, and, and appreciate how great it was, like seeing Fugazi on the in on the Kill Taker tour, like, was pretty incredible, yeah. Was it, um, was it a real, like, was it, a, like, obviously Fugazi infamous, well, not infamous, but, you know, well-known for their cheap shows. Was it incredibly cheap considering they come all this way? It, it, it was. It was at, a, it was at uh, this place called the Morrow Park Bowling Club, which... Had a lot of all ages shows back back then in Newcastle, um, and yeah, I remember it was like maybe ten bucks or ten bucks to get into the show. Um, and I mean, but shows were always cheap back then. Like shows in the early nineties, man. Like a local show would be like, if it cost anything at all, a local show would be like two or three bucks, you know. So a um, dollar a band was usually the general rule. So um, so yeah, I don't know. Maybe the Fugazi shows was like. 10 bucks or whatever but it was yeah it was cheap and it was packed like it was it was rammed so were you like what what made you start what what, what made you front a band um like is it was this like when you were when you were that age was was being in a band was playing music ever on the radar or what's the story it wasn't that that early on but not too long after it we sort of started discovering like a local scene um like newcastle had some local bands like uh, no reason. Yep. Big men fly. Uh, Angry Earth Mother, um, and they were like, they were like my no reason were like melodic punk. Angry Earth Mother were more thrashy metal. Um, Big men fly were a bit poppy. Like there was no like sort of straight up hardcore stuff, but it was all close enough. You know, <laughs> you, 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 yeah. there, was, there wasn't much to choose from, and it was a really sort of yeah, small yeah, scene. Yeah. So, and that was really cool. And I remember going to see Big Men Fly, um, and I think they actually supported Fugazi as well, and they played. Um, uh, Gorilla Biscuits' New Direction, um, and we were just like, yeah. oh, sick, like, you know, the band that's actually playing okay. hardcore, you know, we like. Um, and it was not too long after that, I think No Reason did it, went to do a gig in yep. Sydney, um, and they played at the Vulcan Hotel, which, um, yeah, I don't think it's even, it's in Ultima, I don't even think it's there anymore, but um, that's where Sean No Deal was doing um, a lot of his shows, and that's where we... We went and we saw No Reason and also played, I think, from memory, was like Toe to Toe, uh, Minute Minder, Subversion, like all these incredible uh, early CD bands. Like, and we were just like fucking blown away. Like when we saw like Toe to Toe yeah. for the first time and we saw Minute Minder and we saw Subversion, we were just like, you know, these were bands that were as good as the bands we were listening to. Like that was, you know. Uh, and there was a scene, like there was a, there was a punk yeah. scene, a hardcore scene, like and we were just like home you know we, we we found we found yeah we found it yeah you know so yeah no i, I definitely remember my um i remember watching toe to toe for the first time not really knowing who they were and just having yeah having yeah. that moment just going yeah this is it like and all and the i went i went back to someone who's like have you heard of this band like, no nah, no man <laughs> they sound like a punk rock pantera that's how that's all i sure. can describe it because sure. like yeah. hardcore wasn't in my vocabulary if that makes sense yeah like that was they were my two reference points, yeah. But they like 
in the nineties, yeah. I mean, you know, they're still a fantastic band, but in the nineties, toe to toe was just untouchable. Well, we we and we were from Newcastle, so we're it's a beach town, it's a surfy town, so grunge at the time was massive. Like, so at, at high school, like, you know, grunge, which you know I can appreciate, and I like a lot of that music now. Um, well, I like you know Nirvana and Mudhoney are, are incredible, but. At the time, we well, I did anyway. I hated that shit. Like I hated the the cool surfer kids and the stoners and the, like we were these like angry straight straight edge hardcore kids, you know. Like, and there was no, we were on our own. That was just me and Chipper. Like there was no other hardcore kids, no other straight edge, and people didn't even know what people didn't even know what hardcore straight edge were, sort of thing. Yeah, you know? right. Um, there was a couple of older older dudes at school. Um, yeah. Um, that that yeah got into hardcore as well but at the time it was it was mainly grunge like everyone loved Nirvana, like Nirvana was massive like they were a pop band you know they were a top top 10 band you know um and Silverchair was, was the innocent criminals yeah. and they were playing in the in the school hall for like 50 cents a pop um I remember we went and saw we went and saw them they were called Little Elvis I think to begin with and then the innocent criminals but anyway and, I, and, and like, um I just remember like grunge being the big thing and when we saw Toe to Toe and, and even the imagery like Gilesy did the, you know, Gilesy did the um, artwork and stuff, and it was like, fuck Seattle, this is Sydney, you know, like, you know, with the, with the guy in the in the, you know, the tattooed guy with the sticking the, I think he's sticking the guitar up the guy's ass. He's got, yeah, yeah, and a sub pop guy was like, fuck, this is killer, like this is, this is exactly how we feel, like, you know, um, so yeah, it was just life changing, like life altering, seeing those early shows, like, at, yeah. in Sydney, and we were just every then every show we were like on the train. You know, going catching the train to Sydney, and, and we were like 18, 18, 19. Yeah, whenever there was a show, we were, we were there. So. Every weekend. So, was Sil- yes. Silverchair pre like pre Silverchair as Innocent Criminals? Were they were they pl- like Silverchair have done Circle Jerks covers, Black Flag covers, Minor Threat covers? Uh, I don't ever remember. They recorded. Yeah, they recorded. No, no, definitely not. There's, there's no way like back then. I know they, they recorded a Minor Threat song later, but definitely back then, no, they were like, they were called Little Elvis at beginning, and I remember they were doing Elvis covers, um, and they would play in the, in the, in the hall, because they were like, when we were in like year 11, 12, they were like year 7, so, um, and then they became the Innocent Criminals, and yeah, um, started getting more more popular, but. Um, yep. So. You so yeah. you said you and Chip were going to Sydney every other weekend whenever there was a show on. That's a that's a solid commute, like from Newcastle to Sydney on a train. Oh, absolutely! It's like you know, were you driving? No, no, we were, we we didn't have license or anything. We would kept, we would catch the train like it'd be a three hour train ride. We'd miss the last train would be at like twelve, you know, twelve midnight, and and the bands wouldn't be finished. And there's no fucking way we were going to leave early, yeah. like and miss miss any of the bands. So you know that. We'd have to catch the first train home, which yeah. would be like four, you know, four a.m. or five a.m. or whatever. Um, and at that point, we did not care. We were just so immersed and so, yep. you know, psyched on 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 hardcore and punk, like, um, you know, yeah, yeah. We, we didn't care. We didn't give a fuck what time we got home or how it took, whatever it took to get to the show. We, just, were, we were there. Just dealt with it. That's unreal. Yeah, yeah. So, are you looking at singing now? Like, are you like it? Is is playing music becoming more viable, or like what was the catalyst to get you into it? Well, I guess the first uh, mentioned the band Minuteminder um, before, and we sort of got to know a couple of those dudes. Um, Scott Scott 
Scotty Dougal, the guitarist. Um, we met him um, and we started trading tapes and stuff with him. And, and um, um, he was just like one time they were playing, um, they came up to play with no reason at the Morrow Park Bolo, the same same joint that the Fugazi show was at. Um, and we were like talking to him before the show and he goes, oh man, we're doing a Youth of Today cover um, of the song Understand. You and, you and Chipper want to get up and sing it. And we were just like, what? Like, are you serious? Like, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you really let us do that? Like, and he's like, yeah, man, come up and sing the song. So we just jumped up there and, and, and sang um, the, the Use of Today cover. Um, and th- then it was like, before that, I don't know. I don't know if we'd really considered doing bands or whether that was even a possibility. But as soon as we got up there and, and did that and... I don't know, we're just like, fuck, we can do this. We can start a band, you know, like, let's do it. Let's do a hardcore band. Like, let's do a, you know, Newcastle hardcore yeah. band. Um, um, so that's what we did. And that, that um, we started the band Disengage. And initially, uh, initially Disengage was me and Chipper singing with two vocalists. Um, but that only lasted uh, maybe two practices. And okay. then I, I got kicked out. So... Oh, you got bumped. <laughs> I got bumped. I got bumped. Um, yeah, so, and me and Chipper had a little, a mini, a mini falling out over that, but. Um, yep, it, yeah, I can so. imagine that it happened. Yeah. I think it was the guitarist Rocky. Um, um, yeah, he's since passed away, but um, he, he was like, dude, we can't have two singers. Like, that's too, too much of a novelty, you know, pick one singer. So, Chipper got the gig, um, and yeah. It okay. was what it was, but disengaged were awesome, man. Like so, and Chipper suited that band down to a T. So it was all good in the end. But um, yeah. But that's how we, yeah. That's basically how we, um, how we got on the radar of doing a doing a band. So. So then, how did you find other guys to do well and girls to do your early stuff? Well, um, oh, man, it was probably. I mean, I was, I was. I was like stinging to be in a band from that point on, like even just jamming a couple of times to disengage and every, when disengage would play, like Chip would, would get me up on stage and I'd sing a song or two, like, you know, I might do a faith cover or seven seconds cover or whatever it was. And, um, um, and I was just like, man, I've got to start a band, but there was no one, it was still really small. Like the scene in Newcastle was still tiny, like, you know, um, so it was really hard to like, you know, most of the dudes that were into the, the, the other bands they were older dudes and they didn't want to play they wouldn't want to play hardcore but um um I was like looking I was like scouring like the the classifieds and the drum media and stuff like you know singer wanted I was like man you know maybe I can you know okay yeah commute to Sydney and be in a band like I was pretty obsessed but um um I think it yeah it was basically uh um uh, I saw the band Pitfall, which was the band I ended up joining. Um, they had a, they had a, another singer originally, um, and they played a gig. It would have been early, maybe late. It was in '94 still, I think, maybe early '95. And um, and they had a singer, a real cool guy, um, but um, just didn't just didn't really cut as a singer. He was pretty really shy and really you know reserved kind of dude, like just too chill. Just a bit too chill to be a hardcore front 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 person. So um, uh, they ended up, yeah, they they sort of parted ways with him, and 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 I, yeah, I put my hand up, and that's how it went. So, so that was Sydney. That Newcastle. Oh, they were in Newcastle. Okay, yeah, yeah. They were Newcastle band. Yeah, 
yeah, yeah. But the song, the song I was going to play, the next song, before we go too much further, um, is is a Minute Minder song. Um, and I thought I definitely have to play a Minute Minder song because, as I said, it's the first band that I ever got on stage with. Um, and they were the, f- the start of the ball rolling. Yeah, and they were the. F- I mean, we were, as I said, we were into like Uniform Choice, Minor Threat, Seven Seconds, and he was a band from Sydney that did that style and fucking nailed it, you know. So, um, and they were really short lived. They only probably lasted twelve months, and they recorded they recorded a seven inch, but and I remember No Deal Records was going to do it at the time, but they didn't for whatever reason. I think because they broke up, um, Sean didn't put it out. So. It, Clint, Clint actually put it out on Short Fuse Records with, with Sean as well. Um, so it was a Short Fuse, No Deal split release. It didn't come out till about 98, I think, I'm going to say. But, um, yeah, I thought I... Oh, so the band was well done, done and dusted by the time. Yeah, but, but they had that 7-inch that recorder. And to me, it's just a classic. Like, it's, yeah. Um, so I just thought, man, I've got to play, I've got to play a, a Minute Minder song. Um, and it's the song of their first... Off the 7-inch, it's the first song called Thinking, and it's... A banger. It could be if you had said it was a, you know, a lost minor threat demo, I would have gone, okay, yeah, I believe that. Bang, and they do, yeah, they're just sick. Like they just nailed it. Like, yeah, as I said, they're only a really short-lived band, maybe only twelve months. Them and yeah, as I said, them and toe to toe. Um, yeah. So did any any of the minute minor guys go on to do anything else? No. Oh, well, actually, the drummer Matt um, was in Ceasefire. He drummed in Ceasefire. Yeah. Yeah, but but the other guys, I don't, I don't know. They just kind of disappeared like um which is a real same like john the vocalist like he's a, i think his name was john was that the bass player i don't know but yeah the, vo- the the vocalist was just he's incredible like could sing and scream and like i don't know um and scotty dougal i mean scott became a lawyer like he yeah i think he was studying and stuff so but they just kind of vanished like you know they just did this amazing band did this killer recording and then just 12 yeah. months and gone Done. yeah wow yeah yeah. And they just did that seven inch. Just as, they did it, actually. There's a demo tape as well. Um, it's really rough, um, but um, I mean the, the songs are fantastic, but the recording's real rough. But um, yeah, so there's the demo tape and then the seven. 
yeah, which came out after they'd split. So I guess there's a big gap between from you 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 getting up, not being in a band and just fronting and just singing a Youth of Today cover to you fronted how many bands now? Like probably half a dozen at least? Um, at least half a dozen, I'm going to say. <laughs> I Yeah. Um, so after Pit, Pitfall, you Pitfall, did Arms Reach? Yeah. Pitfall, Arms, well, was, there was Pitfall and then we did like a little side project called Shutdown, which was me and Chipper and, and uh, Craig Edge that kind of morphed into the band okay. X-Claim, um, which was, yeah, yeah, we kind of did that on the side. Um, and uh, there was then there was Arms Reach. Um, then there was Elbow Deep, which was like yep. kind of another side project. Um, initially, that was Arms Reach without the girls. So it was me and Squelchy and Jamie Haight. Uh, and we played yeah. like thrashy... Yeah, thrash, thrash metal, okay. power violence type stuff, like just tongue in cheek shit. The songs about you know horror movies and wrestling and stuff. Um, and then elbow deep. Then must have been life, love, regret. Um, must have been, must have been life, love, regret. Then dead walk, white male dominance, hazards. So yeah, there's a few, few bands. And also, oh, I also played. Yeah, 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 yeah. Also played drums in NC Wolfpack. Let's not forget that. <laughs> so let's let's talk about let's talk about Life, Love, Regret for a minute, if that's okay. Because um, I'd say that's probably the biggest. Mm. Well, I guess maybe maybe I'm wrong, and please correct me if I am. But like that would have de- that definitely kind of, in my opinion, um, that really stood out because there weren't any other bands in Australia doing that, and if they were, they weren't doing it as well as you guys were. Um, that particular sound what kind of was what like what got you to start doing that kind of more more straight up well not straight up metal but that really really metallic sounding hardcore stuff in a time when not many people were doing metallic sounding hardcore yeah i don't know like it's a really i don't know man it's the 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 formation of life of regret kind of i don't know it's kind of hazy to me um because um, there's a lot of shit happening at the time, like um, yeah, like me and Chipper kind of, uh, I don't know, like it's really hard to hard to recall. Like uh, I mean, Arms Reach kind of ran its course. Um, um, yeah, we kind of yeah just kind of run our run, run its course and 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 uh, life love kind of started. Like Chipper, kind of yeah, Chipper's. T- had a twin brother, um, Justin, who committed suicide. So, and it, that, it was around that time. And also, yep. I was in a relationship with with Christy from Arms Reach, yep. and we were in a relationship for six years, and that broke down. Um, so it was kind of like I don't know. It, it was like we just, yeah, yeah, different. Obviously, obviously, yeah, completely different sort of things. But um, life, love, regret was just our kind of response to that like we as mates we just kind of we didn't even really talk about it or say let's do this band it's going to be like this or that we just kind of it just happened really organically like um yeah i know i was i was in a pretty uh pretty deep depression at kind of the beginning of that band um like when arms reach broke up and stuff i was like kind of done with hardcore like i was like just burn out on it like you know i don't give a fuck about hardcore anymore like um yeah yeah, um, and 
yeah, it was just in a in a pretty low place, like, um, and I just remember Chipper, you know, Chipper had been through a horrendous time with his brother and stuff, and he was still coming over to my house and saying, dude, get the fuck out of bed, you know, it's like four in the other, get out of bed, let's go skate, or let's go to the gym, or let's go shoot some hoops, or, I don't know, just, yeah, like, yeah, uh, and that's, yeah, I don't know, something I'll never forget, yeah. but, um, and we just kind of, I don't know, organically thought, like, thought to create music together. Um, and we were mate, good mates with um, John, who, who was in FMD. And FMD was yep. still going, I think, at the time. Um, found my direction. They were still going, but I think they were kind of winding up as well. Um, and okay. our mate Brad, yeah, yeah. who was in the band called Case for Jefferson, they were, I think they were sort of, he yep. was also in FMD at the time too. Um, and they were sort of winding down and we just kind of got together. We were, at, you know, probably at the pub one night at the Lucky Country. Yep. And um, this was post-straight edge years for me. And uh, we um, we just sort of said, let's hey, let's do a band, you know. It's like that usual, you know, that usual yeah. shit talk at the pub. Like, yeah. Um, but never, never really goes anywhere. Like, yeah, let's do a band, man. It'll be sick and we'll do this and that. And yeah, yeah. And we just... Um, yeah, we did it. So we, we got together and kind of jammed really soon after that and we just pretty much wrote that Sick of Goodbyes album in like, I don't know, a couple of weeks really. Like just just pumped out the songs, yeah. And and yeah. Yeah, so it was And you and the Sick of Goodbyes was all you really did, yeah? Like that's, that's like it. release wise. That's it. Yeah. We recorded one other song, um, Goodbye, Goodbye Blue Mondays, which I think was gonna be on a resist comp or something, but it never I don't think it ever came out, but yeah, so the album was pretty much the only thing we, only thing we did release. And what was the um? If it's you know if it's not getting too deep, you just you just you got those songs out and that was it, and it was time to move on to something else. Or well, when we sort of tried to write new shit, it was just kind of like just kind of feeling a bit forced. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, as I said, as I said, that that record was so organic, and the process of writing it was it just came out like it just okay. like the, the lyrics. Like me and Chipper sort of shared the lyric writing duties and stuff like that and uh, and him and John shared the music and it just flowed so effortlessly effortlessly you know like it's you know it was yeah and then after that like it was kind of like fuck how do we top this like what do we do now and we kind of wrote a yeah. couple of songs and it just you know and plus I, I I was in a better place you know um mentally as well so to keep kind of retreading over the same stuff you know um, yeah it's it's not that healthy I didn't think so. Um, I guess it was time to time to move on. Yeah. So if again, if I'm getting too deep, tell me like you don't feel free no, not to all, answer. But how no, did you good, how did you go with um like you've, yeah. you you played two shows or you played a, a, from my memory yeah. you played two shows in the last twelve months um, and taking sides were lucky enough to play with you in Newcastle. How do you go with how do you go with songs that were written at a really dark time but doing it in a time when you know, you're obviously you're in a completely different headspace. Yeah, it's it's a challenge. Like it was it was a definite challenge, and one of the challenges was that John lives in Perth, so it was no he couldn't really do the shows. Um, um, the idea, you know, to do the shows um, came up, and I just sort of spoke to Chipper about it, um, and he was cool with it. So I thought, well, if you're cool with it, I'm cool with it, and um, and we got a mate of ours, Ben Beno Ben Lease. Um, who's a really close mate yep. as well. Good guy. Yeah, top bloke. Um, 
great great musician as well um and um great guitarist and we yeah yeah and we just we just thought sort of thought let's have a jam and see how it go you know see how it goes and um i guess i guess like yeah i don't know depression and mental illness is is something that i've sort of struggled on and off with you know most of my life really so doing those songs um and although i'm not in that place anymore there's still issues there that i can i can relate it to and i can use that as 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 music as therapy really you know so um and and same with chipper too like you know um i mean yeah it's yeah it's one of those things that and and, and i mentioned this when we played i think you know maybe the first time is that you know he, he lost his brother and that's that's something that's that's still real to him every single day yeah. you know like it doesn't go away yeah that, that just never goes away it doesn't go away you know what i mean like other people, you know, they move on from things and whatever, and and of course I have from that relationship breakdown, yeah. obviously. But you know, I'm married, happily married with two kids now, and all that stuff. But you know, for him, you know, that it just never goes away. And I just thought, and, and he was keen to do it, and I said, well, fuck yeah, man, let's do it. You know, like, um, and yeah, it's still therapy, man. Like music and hardcore, and and you know, I don't get to I don't get to do it very often now because I'm really busy with life and being a dad and husband and working and. But to play a hardcore gig, you know, once every 12 months or whatever, that's just, yeah, it's still really um, yep. fulfilling and, and, yeah, it's a real release. Um, and it's, yeah, I'm, I'm privileged enough to be able to have that medium to do that because, you know, some people don't get that. So yeah. um, I, I, res- I respect that. Yeah, I, I, I respect and value that, you know, um, and the fact that people give a fuck about it still and, and want to come to the shows, that's a, that's a bonus, you know. So, yeah. Okay, so what about Hazards? Hazards was, in my opinion, the band that could have been the biggest, you know, one of the biggest bands. I, like I, I can't, couldn't get enough of it. Yeah, um, well, that's you just, and about three other dudes. So, <laughs> well, that's yeah. So that's what I don't get. It, it needed so much more exposure, but it's just people stop buying music. What do you do? Yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's it's one of those things. I guess people like being uh, doing hardcore for so long or whatever. And you do a new band, and people expect a certain thing from you. I suppose, like, you know, you do something reasonably well, and people, you, you do a new band, and they want to hear the same stuff or whatever, and, um, and that's cool because sometimes the dudes that I, you know, look up to and follow their music, I'm like, oh, I wish they'd do a band that sounded like their old band, which you know, that's just the nature of the beast, really, you know. But um, which comes back to the Fugazi thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So. Um, I guess with Hazards it was like, well, I want to try something different, like, you know, because my musical tastes yeah. expanded greatly, like, um, over that time period between, like, the sort of, uh, you know, the, the pitfall days and, and you know, the yep. end of the, the end of the sort of um, dead walk days and stuff, like, I've been listening to heaps of different shit, like, not just hardcore, but lots of different stuff, so I thought, man, it's time to try something a bit different, you know, Um and I love, like, yeah. uh, you know, more so than hardcore at the moment. I, 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 in the last five, ten years, I've listened to, like, you know, stuff like, oh, this, we'll, we, we did a Fugazi cover, we did a Naked Ray Gun song, we did a Jawbreaker song, just all that sort of classic, melodic, punk, power pop, whatever you want to call it type shit, you know. Um, um, and I thought, yeah, I don't know, we just thought, let's, yeah, let's get to get together and and, and try something different. Um and I, and I was pretty stoked on it. Um, but yeah, 
but you know we we didn't we couldn't really you know because we're all a bit older now and you don't you can't get out and tour and you can't like promote a record and all that stuff like it's just too hard like life gets in the way um so yeah for whatever reason it just didn't really take off in the way we would have probably hoped i mean but you know it, it was what it was we played some really good shows and and had some fun and released a record and I'm spewing that we never got to put the album out. But... Yeah, same here. Same here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because um, we had some really good songs happening, but um, yeah, you know, it is what it is. It just, yeah, didn't happen. Which is a bummer. It's, it's what, or hopefully someone does to the Hazards LP what, what um, Sean and Clint did to the Minute Minder 7 Inch and just releases it for the sake of documenting what, you know, what you was doing at the time. Yeah. Well, every now and again, I'd get a text or from, from Sean who played guitar in Hazards and he's like, man, we should do the record and we just should just scrap it and re-record the whole thing. And I'm just like, oh man, you know, like, I would yep. love to, but I just don't have the time or the energy to do it. But yeah, you know, um, <laughs> pub talk, you know, maybe, maybe it'll, <laughs> maybe it'll be a reality one day when the kids are growing up and yeah. One day, hopefully, he just comes to you with the songs and goes, I just need you to put vocals on this. Yeah. Best case scenario. Best case scenario. So, like, your net is, you know, we've covered so much genres of music from, you know, gr- like grunge to early hip-hop and all that kind of jazz, as well as, obviously, punk rock and hardcore. What kind of sums you up now musically? Like, are you what are you digging on at the moment? Like, are you, are you going back to listen to stuff, or have you found new music that kind of you're into, or what's grabbing your ears at the moment? I'm always, always finding new music that I'm into. I'm always finding old, old music that's new to me. Um, I'm constantly like, just constantly, yeah. Music's yeah, like people say that music is their second language. Yeah. I think for, for me, sometimes it's my first language. You know, um, I think I communicate. I think I communicate better through music sometimes than I do in in real life, like face to face and stuff. I can be pretty yep. pretty awkward person sometimes, and not the bit, you know kind of socially awkward. But music, you know, if I can write a yeah. write a lyric or a song and sing it, then yeah, I feel that kind of sums me up better sometimes. But yeah, look, I'm always um, I don't know like heaps of stuff, man. Like I was doing, uh, I mentioned Ceasefire before. A mate of mine, Dan Phelan. Um, we were DJing for quite a while there, playing like soul music. I'm um, glad you brought that up. I'm glad you brought that up because yeah. I, was, I was worried we weren't going to talk about it. So yeah. I, I didn't – your name was Kid Mince. Kid Mince. Kid Mince was my um, B-boy name, so my breaking name because I did get back into breaking as well. Um, around, the time of, around the time of Life, Love, Regret, I actually – got back into breaking because um, I wasn't listening to a lot of hardcore to be honest in the Life Love Regret days. Um, I got right back into hip hop and, and breaking and actually joined a breaking crew and we did a show with we did a show with Hilltop Hoods actually. We we did a bit of a demo um, opening for Hilltop Hoods at the Cambridge. Um, yeah, which was kind of cool. But um so Kid Mints and it, it comes from I used to wear a cap that had um, Kids Love Mints written on it. Um, and had dancing meatballs on the cap and um, powerful. Yes, okay, yeah, great. <laughs> and a mate, and a mate of mine was like, "Ah, oh, Kid Mints." So um, DJ Mathematics, that was yeah. He just started calling me Kid Mints, so that sort of stuck. So and that became my DJ name. We started um, um, DJing, and I'm I guess a bit of a frustrated hip hop DJ. Like I'd love to. I bought turntables and stuff like that, and tried to you know tried to sort of 
do the hip hop DJing thing, but I'm just not that very good. Like, I mean, I like to get down in the in the man cave and you know have a bit of a scratch and try and mix records and that, but spin some spin some vinyl. But I'm not that great. But um, yeah, we started around the same time, maybe a bit later. We started collecting, like, started collecting funk and soul records. Yeah. Um, because you guys put out you guys put out a um a mixtape, and God knows how I got it. Yeah, we did. Like, I've got no idea how yeah, I got it. Right. Yeah, and it was it was like it's just one big long MP, well it was a mixtape but it was an, it was it was an MP3 yeah yeah and it was I thrashed the fuck out of that yeah right cool yeah yeah like I don't know where it's gone now but yeah I don't, I don't know if you've still got a copy of it but it's yeah you it was three of you Dan whose name was a scorcher it's a scorcher a thank scorcher. you very much and then was Ben the was Ben least the third no, ben, playlist guy? Ben Lee, the, 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 the other dude on the mix was a dude called Juz, um, who still DJs with Dan now. They do like reggae reggae stuff, like he's built a he's built a big sound system and they do like they play like reggae forty fives and and stuff. Um, but that was Juz. But Ben Lee's also here. He came on board with us and 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 played some gigs as well, um, um, playing just like soul and Motown and classic funk and. Yeah, man. Like that's I know that that music is undeniably great. Like, yeah, um, yeah. So I know, a broad spectrum of stuff. And also, like when I met I met my wife in probably oh, probably the end of the life love regret days, and she was because she's sort of five years younger than me, and and so she introduced me to a lot of stuff, not non hardcore stuff as well. You know, like I mean, she's into stuff like uh, the Yeah Yeah Yeahs and MIA yeah. and. Some of that indie sort of dancey stuff, and that's a lot of that shit's great as well. So, um, you know, like just a variety of, of stuff, man. That I that I that I yeah. vibe on. Yeah, it's, it's 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 it doesn't it? absolutely like just when you think you got to the end, a bunch of more doors opened. That's it. That's it. And especially now with the internet and you know Spotify and whatever YouTube, you just go down that rabbit warren of stuff like, and, and you know. Um, and I'm still a mad record collector, like to this day. Like, oh man, I've got like six thousand records, and and now it was easier when you just like collected punk records or you just collected hip hop records. Now, you know, I go to a record fair, I'm like, fuck, I gotta check out the soul section and the hip hop section and the hardcore and the indie rock and the you know mod section, you know, whatever it is. You know, like, yeah, it's crazy. So, so okay, with your records, what's your um, what's your white whale and what's your most prized position? Um, I don't know. Probably, I got a, a, a probably my mind. I've got a couple of record sleeves hanging up on the wall in the in the lounge room, and and I've got um, a minor threat, uh, the first two seven inches LP, um, like the first pressing of that, I think, and I got that signed by Ian Mackay at that Fugazi gig that we're talking about. So, um, yeah, and he's just written my brother Alec on it with an arrow because that's Alec McKay on the cover, not Ian Mackay. Not not Ian McKay, as some people think. So that's a pretty cool that's a pretty cool thing. Like I, I don't really do autographs. Like I've never really like been the dude that chases up autographs on records. But being being a young nerd at that that Fugazi show, I was like, man, we got to get Ian McKay to sign a minor threat record. You know. <laughs> so that's up on the wall, and that's probably yeah one of my favourites. So yeah. Is there a white whale? Oh, man, like just I mean I've got. I've got an original Minor Threat seven inch, and I've got the two. Well, I've got the, the self titled and the In My Eyes EP, um, original seven inches. So they're yeah. But th- th- I guess I d- a lot of that early Discord stuff I don't have because it's just so fucking expensive these days. Like I really love a Teen Idol seven inch or a, or a, an SOA seven inch or 
um, or some of the early New York stuff. Like a, yes. like a, I've got a second pressing agnostic front, you know, out of blood, but you know, I love a first pressing and. You know, but you've got to like, you know, a thousand bucks for a record. I mean, yeah, yeah, it gets a bit silly. My, my wife, would, my wife would kill yeah, me. So it's a, <laughs> yeah, and and just the, I guess a lot of the um, it's it's not about bin diving anymore. It's you know, it's about just clicking on discogs, and if you've got the money and yeah, you can buy it that way now. So it's it's a bit, it's all changed, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. Which is kind of a shame, like. Yeah, the, the the thrill of the dig used to be the best part, you know. Like, um, and now it's just like, and and you never get bargains anymore. Like, you go to record fair, and because everyone's, every, you know, all the records are on discogs. Yeah, everyone knows how much everything's worth. You don't, yeah, you know. So you used to go to record fairs and pull out great, great shit for cheap, and it doesn't happen so much yeah. anymore. But I don't know. Maybe when the vinyl, the vinyl resurgence dies down, it'll, uh, you know, yeah. it'll happen again. But yeah, fingers crossed. Honestly, so what 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 yeah. song are we going to end it on? Um, well, I picked a, a, a band um, called Lemuria. Um, oh yeah, and the song's called Volume Allure. And I, I picked this band just because um, um, Hazard's got to do. They're from the states. I'm not sure whereabouts in the states, but they're from the states. And um, yeah, Hazard's got to do with the gig with them. They did a tour in like I don't know, maybe five years ago or so. Or so. And um, Hazard's got to play a gig with them at the Hamo Station. So, um, and it was a really cool gig, and they were really cool. And I don't know, just a, a cool band, like, um, which kind of, and it kind of sums up the style of music, sort of sums up the stuff that, um, yeah, well, it was listening to in Hazard's and, you know, that melodic sort of power pop um, stuff. Yep. And I really dig this sort of. Were you into them previously? Yeah, yeah. Like, was it? A... Yeah, I was. So I think, I can't remember who put me onto them, somebody, uh, maybe my mate Brent put me onto them but um yeah like um um yeah i just thought they were really cool like and i like the they've got dual female male vocals um and they just they just sort of bounce off, off each other really well um and it's really catchy catchy stuff um and it's a really cool track and it was cool that we just randomly they, they were touring and 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 they played newcastle um at the good old hamilton station hotel which is like a tiny little shit box and, um, Do they play we, the Chinese restaurant part, or they play at the front? Uh, they played in the back. The back. They played yeah. out the back. Yeah, yeah. Um, not out. Not out the front in the karaoke bar, but um, in the restaurant. Uh, yeah, yeah. So um, that was just a cool, random, like, yeah, like because I was into them, and and I can't remember who it was. Whoever did the gig was like, oh, Hazards want to play, and we were like, fuck yeah, we want to play. So yeah, um, that was a cool gig, and yeah, cool band. And what album? Oh, sorry, what song? Uh, it's called Volume Allure, and it's not on an album. It's a single, um, like a seven-inch that came out. So, yeah. Cool. Let's have a listen. Cool. Actually, before we listen, let's uh, let's wrap it up now. Thank you again. Thank you very much for taking the time to do this. I really, really appreciate it. Um, is there anything? Yeah. Is there anything you want to say before you head off? Um, anything you want to plug? Not really. recommend to anybody. Not really, man. Like um, I've got a couple of gig, doing a couple of gigs in November with White Male Dominance, um, another one of my bands. Oh wow! <laughs> so um, yeah, we got asked to play a benefit show. Uh, dude, dude um, in Newey, um, the family in Newey, they lost their dad to suicide recently, so they're doing a um, a Beyond Blue benefit. Um, yeah. And they they were like, dude, you know, we'd love 
one of your best to play. And I was like, well, shit. <laughs> you know, an arms yeah. reach reunion's off the question. We'll never do another dead walk reunion. So, um, and, and yeah. yeah, so, yeah, we're like, uh, yeah, we get, all the white male dominance dudes are keen, so we're going to do that. And um, also doing another gig cool. at the end of the month with Raw Power from Italy, which is pretty cool as well. So, classic Italian sort of band. Yeah, so, yeah, a couple of gigs coming up. Um, that's about it, yeah. Red Hot, hey, thank you very much. I really appreciate you coming on. Thanks, Charles. Pleasure. Been a pleasure, mate. Um, yeah, awesome. Thanks, dude. So there we have it. Um, as well, we spoke about in that episode, uh, Luke made a playlist, um, like a yeah playlist or a mixtape, if you will. Um, I actually found it uh, after I was talking to Luke after we did the interview. Um, I'm not sure, like it's bizarre that I actually still have it after all these years, but you know, it's pretty fucking rad, and I really really dig it. So I will put it on a Dropbox thing or something, and um, you can. Or maybe I'll put it on the My Edge podcast website and you can download it from there. Uh, it's really rad and definitely worth checking out as well. Um, gives you an idea of Luke's, you know, the scope of Luke's uh, musical tastes. You know, an extension of the five songs he picked, I guess. Um, I also found Dan Phelan's uh, playlist. Uh, so if Dan Phelan's listening to this, um, 
you should do an episode with me and we should talk some shit. And then, I can, then I'll put your playlist up as well. How does that sound? It sounds like a bloody good deal. Um, also, speaking of which, if you have any recommendations of people you want to hear, you know, hear their stories or me have a chat to or whatever, uh, feel free to shoot me a message. Um, I've got a whole bunch of people that I've got feelers out for and that I'm waiting to sync up some times with. Um, as I say at the end of every episode, this is actually a lot harder than what you'd think it would be. Um, maybe I'm just time poor, but yeah, I really appreciate Nicole for letting me fuck around with this for a few hours every month. Um, it feels like it takes longer than a few hours, but yeah, it's, um, yeah, kudos to any podcasters you know, who does it more than once a month because it's a, it's a tough job. It's not even a job, so it's a tough, yeah, it's tough. Well, you know, I'm rambling now. There's a lot of things that are tougher than doing a podcast. That was pretty fucking lame on my behalf. Anyhow, um, on a bit more serious note, uh, if this podcast has brought up any feelings, um, or thoughts regarding depression or suicide, uh, reach out to someone, please. Uh, beyondblue.org.au or lifeline on 131114. Or oh, fuck it, I'm here. Like, reach out to me, talk to me. Um, I'll definitely listen. But please know that you're not alone. Um, and yeah, there's always people to talk to you and help you through. Or at least comfort you through whatever you're going through at the moment. Uh, so, yeah. Um, listen to the Oblivious Maximus podcast. Listen to the High Fives podcast. They should have a new episode out pretty soon. Uh, which is always fun. Um, until we do it again next month, stay safe. And, yeah. Enjoy the spring, actually. Oh, jeez. What a spring it's been so far, except for me being really sick. What a bloody... It's been fantastic. Um, yeah, I get excited. Cool. Take it easy. But just a shining artifact of the past. Everybody knows the scene is dead. But there's gonna be a meter on your bed that will disclose. What everybody knows And everybody knows that you're in trouble Everybody knows what you've been through From the bloody cross on top of Calvary To the beach of Malibu Everybody knows it's coming upon Take one last look at this sacred heart before it blows And everybody knows Everybody knows Everybody knows That's how it
Wherever 